Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, we are almost halfway through 2023. Can you believe it? And the weather, I just thank God, the fact that it's cool, it's not too hot, but you know how Oklahoma is, you know it's almost guaranteed that the summer is going to be, uh, be rough, as it is every summer here in Oklahoma. As we're entering this last half of the year, I really want to encourage you, I feel like God wants me to do a series about good plans and the fact that he has good plans for your life. And as I begin to think about this series um, obviously, we have some kids that are graduating high school. Uh, some of them are here today. There's probably some that are graduating from college. I don't know if we have any college students that are graduating, but everybody's about ready to enter into a new season. May tends to be that time, that benchmark to where we as believers feel like we're moving into a new season because of graduations and things like that. Springtime is sometimes the times that kids uh, are, are moving in and get ready to go to college, or there's people that are getting ready to get married because uh, it's in the spring. But also, there's just new things that are happening. We can see as the world is changing around us that we're being challenged as believers as we're following Jesus. And sometimes it's hard to imagine that God actually has good plans for our life. And last week, there's somebody that I really follow and admire. His name is Timothy Keller, former pastor, modern-day theologian, and author of many books. He passed away. And one of the things that he said that I really have latched onto that I saw uh, recently when I was reading through some things, he said that following Jesus is not difficult. He said following Jesus is absolutely impossible. And he clarified how it's impossible because we cannot do it in our own strength. We can't. And so I, I really do feel like part of the ministry that God has given me is to encourage you through the hard times because as we're in these last days, things are getting more and more difficult, right? Like our faith is being challenged more and more. We're seeing things in, across the news and social media and things that are coming at us to where it's really starting to challenge our faith and it's challenging the word and it's challenging our walk because we are increasingly walking in a hostile environment. And it's always been there, and we're going to read a little bit about that today. It's always been there, but the thing that is challenging our faith is whether or not in these days, does God really care about where I'm at? Does he really care about the plans that he has for me in my life? And the answer is absolutely yes. So over the next three weeks, we're going to focus on today, we're going to focus on our present like, what good plans does he have for us now? Next week, as we get into Memorial Day, we're going to focus a little bit on our past. And I know I've preached about how we need to forget about our past, right? Because Paul says, forget the past and stretch forward to what lies ahead. And that was what we first talked about at the beginning of this year. But sometimes we have to go back to our past and look how God has actually done good things in our past and brought us through some stuff to help us in our present and to give us some hope for the future. Amen? So we're going to focus today on the present, next week on the past, and then week three we'll talk about the future. As we look towards the future and we realize that things are getting increasingly dark in this world, we have to know and have to hope that God has good plans for us, those that follow Jesus. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, I want you to turn there, it's the first place I'm going to go. This is the message version, and this is what God told Jeremiah. He said, 
Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. And before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Holy plans are good plans, amen? And the fact that God knows everything from the beginning to the end, which is mind-blowing to me, he knows our life inside and out. He knows every decision we're going to make before we even make it. He knew everything about us before we were even formed in the womb. That is something that's really hard to comp- comprehend on a human, with a human mindset. Amen? He already has our life mapped out before us. And we don't even know what the next day is going to bring, but he knows everything. He's already ahead of us. He's with us. He's behind us. It's hard to understand, but that's the case. He goes on in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is a verse I think a lot of us are very familiar with. God said this to Jeremiah. He says, I know what I'm doing. And I love, I love that first part there. I know what I'm doing. Uh, wait a minute, Father. You know what you're doing in my life? Do you not see what's going on in my life? Do you not see what I got going on ahead of me right now as I move into a new season or whatever season that you have for me? You mean to tell me you know what you're doing? He goes, yes, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. And I love this translation, right? As he drops desires in our hearts, there are things that we have hope for. There's things that we look forward to, we desire in the future. And God is saying that I am not going to abandon you. I'm going to take care of you. So this really, this this passage really defeats the narrative that the world likes to say to us, right? That religion likes to say to us. Religion likes to say that God is distant. God is not with you. God does not care about you. Matter of fact, he's watching every step you take. And as you're taking those steps, he's judging and condemning you every time you stumble and fall. And that's what the world and religion likes to say, that God is non-existent practically, right? And that's not the case. He says here that I'm going to take care of you and I'm not going to abandon you. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, this is what David writes. David says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? God cares for each and every one of us. And I love this because it talks about how God is so great, but yet he is so mindful and cares about us who are so small. But in reality, if you're following Jesus, you're seated with him in heavenly places, right? You're now his child. You now belong to the family of God. You're adopted into his family. And so what that means is he is very much mindful of us, just as much as Nick and Charity are mindful of Aiden, or Justin and Sarah are mindful of Elias and cares for them. That's exactly how he feels about us. So if we look at these passages, we can see that God shaped us. He knows us. He set us apart. He's appointed us. He's mindful of us. And he cares for us. And because of all of that, God's plans for our life are good. Because a good God makes good plans for his people. So why does this matter? What does, why does this matter? It matters because I am watching my own daughter graduate high school this morning. Or actually this evening. She's going to graduate. And so I know that there is some little bit of, of, of fear maybe little bit of of what's going to happen. What is my future going to look like as she goes off to college? There is that that sense of I'm stepping into something new and is it going to be good? And the answer is yes, it's going to be awesome. And the reason for that is because God is going to be with you every step of the way. 
We have to understand that, right? There is challenges in life. There are things that are hard and difficult. There are trials and tribulations that are in our life. But the fact is, is that as long as Jesus is with me and I'm following him and I'm walking with him and I'm moving forward in the things that he has for me, then it's going to be all good. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here today. And thank you for all those that are watching online. Father, I know that your word is true. And sometimes it's hard to see and feel that truth when we're walking into situations that we're not prepared for or things that we're unsure of or challenges that we're about to face. So today, Father, I just thank you that as we're learning in your word this morning that you're giving us that sense that you're with us, that knowing that you're with us every step of the way, that you're encouraging us through your word because your word's the only way Your word is the only thing that's going to encourage us and give us the strength to keep moving forward and straining forward to what lies ahead. And Father, I just thank you that it will implant in our hearts this morning and that we will know exactly what to do to make sure that as we're following you, we can see the goodness in you and the goodness in the plans that you have for our life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this year is kind of special for me in the sense that I'm going to be turning 50, which I can't believe that. And I have, I guess, I guess I could say I have some life experience now. Can you imagine that? And I'm kind of a kid at heart, you know. I like some things that, and and do some things that are that that seem like childlike because I'm very much a kid at heart. I love Disney World. I love Disney movies. I love Star Wars. I, you know, I'm I still have this attachment to some of my childhood stuff that I that I really like and. And I, I kind of find it hard to believe that I actually can say that I have some life experience. And some of my, my life experiences have been tremendous and some of them have been really bad, to be honest with you. But the longer that I'm following Jesus, which has been, it'll be 27 years uh, this September that I've been following Jesus, so a little over half my life, the longer that I follow him, the more that I can see that he's with me in the good and the bad, And there are things that even though it may seem like they're bad or challenging for me, they're actually good because he's used them to develop me and to grow me into who I am today. And so I have some challenges right now that I'm walking through that I know that the enemy is loving because he loves to see me in pain. He loves to see me struggle in the areas that I struggle. But as I'm going through that stuff and I'm suffering, what I do know is that God is right there with me And it's all going to work out. It's all going to work good for his glory and for improving me and making me stronger so that I'm a better witness for Jesus. Like I anticipate the blessing around the corner because right now there's some things that I'm going through that are really hard. And I really do buy into the fact that God has good plans for me no matter how dark it may seem, no matter what pit I may be in, no matter what struggle that I'm going through. I know he's with me and that's why it makes it okay. So I do like movies and TV shows that talk about people that go from the future, they go back in time. And, and, and they love to go back in time so that they can change the course of history. And there's a bunch of stuff that's out there. I think Hollywood is obsessed with time travel because the reason for that is it gives you some control, right? The ability for us to go back in time and change things so that our future seems to be brighter There is that sense of control that I think we as people love to have. And ultimately, we can never have that. That's God, not us that has control of our life. 
So I'm thinking about some things that have happened in my past that I wish, like a movie, I could go back in time and change. Like I wish I could take a mulligan, if you will, a do-over. And how many of us have had that feeling? Like you wish you could go back three, four, five years, maybe longer, and change something so that the course of your life might be different, right? Might go better. And ultimately, I think we've all had those thoughts, but having those thoughts sometimes takes away from the faith that God is in control and that Jesus is really the Lord of my life. And, and I'm, I'm with you on that. And there's something I'm going through right now that I, I constantly have had to put down and put aside that I wish I could go back four years ago and do something differently so that I don't feel what I'm feeling right now in my life, some of the pain that I'm going through. But we can't do that. Ultimately, we have to trust and know that God is good and he has good plans for our life. So if you're struggling with your past and you're still holding on to something and you wish you could have done something differently, well, listen, God already knew you were gonna make the decision you made. He already knew you were gonna do what you, were gonna, what you did. He has you in the palm of his hands let go of it and keep moving forward. That's the thing in the past that we need to forget. But we, what we need to see is how God has used our past to move us to where we are today. And we need to worship him for that because we wouldn't be who we are today unless he allowed us to go through some of the hard stuff that we've been through in our past. It's all good, folks. That's what I'm trying to say. So where I want to go today is Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and I do mean this with all my heart, I know I say this a lot, but Psalm 23 is absolutely my favorite psalm. And a lot of us in here, if you've been in the Bible, you've been following Jesus, you know Psalm 23. Some of you, like me, probably have this psalm memorized. And David wrote this psalm. It's believed that he wrote the psalm after he became king. So there's a lot of looking back and seeing what God has done so that he can stand as king right in the present time when he wrote this and have a successful time at being king, but also look forward to the future. So presently, if we can get Psalm 23 in our heart and we know what it means to us today as believers as we're following Jesus in the 21st century in these last days, then we're gonna have some peace in our present and actually have some hope for what God has for us in the future, amen? So I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 23. David says this, he said, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This right here, if you want to break it down to its nuts and bolts, basically what it is, this is the life path of a believer. This idea that somehow the Lord is my shepherd and this is how he's going to take care of us now and in the future. And if you're really honest with yourself, even in the past, you can see how this psalm has worked in your life to bring you to where you are today. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Lisa and I, we, we have just got through binge watching a series on PBS, Masterpiece Theater. We're kind of nerds that way. We like that stuff. But there's a show called All Creatures Great and Small. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's an awesome show. Uh, see some people have seen it. Awesome. It's a great show about this, this veterinarian practice in the late 1930s in Yorkshire, England. And they take care of these animals on all these farms that are throughout Yorkshire. And what you see is these sheep and these, these, these farmers that are tending to the sheep. And the fact that the Lord is my shepherd is comforting to me because when you look at the sheep in this show, you can see that they're basically stupid animals. They're not very smart. Amen. I can say when I compare myself to God, I am not wise, okay? And I tend to do my own thing. And that's why Jesus is there to shepherd me, praise God, because I need him to protect me. And that's what you see in the show is how these shepherds are taking care of these sheep. And you've got to keep your eye on them because they wander off. You've got to give them a green pasture and still water so that they can, they can rest and be restored. So the fact that David, who has experience as being a shepherd before he became king, is saying that this is what Jesus is basically to us as believers today, Right? that he is our shepherd, that is comforting. Because if I can equate myself to a sheep, then I can allow God to take care of me because I know I can't take care of myself. And that's a good thing. I want him to take care of me. So in Psalm 23, verse one, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The very first thing, if you're taking notes today that I want you to write down is, Jesus is my shepherd. Man, you get that truth in your heart and you know that, then you know everything's going to be good now and in the future. The Lord is my shepherd. What does this mean for us today? This means that Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. As soon as I accept him into my life and I'm saved, then all of a sudden I've given him control of my life. And now he is my shepherd. And maybe there's some of you here today have not done that. And you see your life is chaotic. And you see God is distant. But the moment that you say yes to Jesus, then all of a sudden he comes in, becomes the Lord of your life, and he now shepherds your life. And what happens after that is this. I shall not want. I don't have any needs anymore. Because as long as I have Jesus in my life, then what is it that I shall, should want? There is nothing. He provides for all of my needs, amen, according to his riches and glory. Not mine, not the world system, but heaven and God's system. And that's why Jesus said, look at the birds in the air. The father takes care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you, his children? Right? So what is it I should want? Nothing. I have Jesus. That's why right now is good for me. Because it doesn't matter what kind of suffering or what kind of lack I have in my life. As long as I have Jesus then there is nothing else I should want. And there is some peace in that. Amen? Once you get that in your heart and you actually believe and know that, then whenever, whatever you're going through and whatever situation you're in, you're going to have that peace and knowing that he's with you. And you shouldn't have to worry about anything from that point. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2 through 3. So because Jesus is my shepherd... David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These green pastures, these still waters, see, God knows what I need. And he will make me and he will lead me into what it is that I really need. And that is restoration in my soul. As I'm going through stress, anxiety, seeing the world fall apart around me, wondering if God really has good plans for me now and in the future, well, I need restoration in my soul. I need to go to him like a sheep. I need to go lay down in a green pasture. And some of these green pastures that I've seen that sheep lay in are amazing. They provide everything that they need. They are cared for in that pasture. And the fact that God leads me besides still waters, these still waters are waters that only sheep will drink from. They won't drink from flowing water, but they will still water. My God knows exactly what it is that I need, and he provides for me in that pasture and in those still waters. And they restore my soul. They restore my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So every decision that I make as somebody who's following Jesus, he's leading me in these paths of righteousness. And he's going to take care of me and he's going to restore my soul for his name's sake. His name means so much more. He is a man of his word, if you will. Amen? So what he wants is he wants, as people look at us and see and know that we're Jesus followers, he wants to take care of us for his namesake so people can say, hey, the God that they follow, that's the one true God and he's a good God. And so I'm going to follow him too. So it's all for his namesake that he's taking care of us. So the second thing that I want you to write down is Jesus is our caretaker. He cares for us. He knows where to push us where to lead us, where to guide us. Because as I said, we're sheep and he knows best. And so if we trust in him, then we know he has good plans for us now and in the future. Verse four, and this is where it transitions. David talking about who God is in his life and how God is caring for him. Now he says this by faith. And this is what I think we need to repeat every day in our lives. Get this in your heart. He said in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So David is saying here, I, I am going to walk through this valley of the shadow of death. Children here that are graduating high school, you're no longer children, you're now adults. You're no longer under the wings of your parents because as soon as you step outside your, your parents' home and you go to college or wherever it is that God is calling you, you're on your own. You are walking through the valley now. You're no longer under the covering of your parents' faith. Now you've got to walk and follow Jesus on your own. And what the encouragement here is that God is guiding you and he's directing you, but you have to make the decision to walk through the valley. And the world, the world is not a pleasant place. That's why David says the valley of the shadow of death. There's death all around us, and you know what that death is? It's sin. The sin that's the consequence of that is death. And that's all around us. And so as you're walking through that valley and on both sides of you and around you, you're surrounded by this thing called the world. We are not to be of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. That Jesus, as you are walking through that valley, is with you. And that is the reason why you will not fear. And that's why I, I said that word over Aiden, how he does not have a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. 
We are not going to fear any evil because Jesus, my shepherd, is with me and he's providing for me. David goes on to say, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So when the shepherd has a rod and a staff, that rod is designed as you're coming into the sheep pasture, as you're a sheep walking into the pasture, that rod is designed to to basically ward off your enemies. And then that that staff is kind of like a hook that actually takes you and guides you. And he uses it to examine you. So as you're coming into the sheepfold, your shepherd is going to take that, that staff and examine to see if there's anything that's wrong with you. And if there is, he'll tend to you and take care of you. So what we see here is a picture of Jesus as our shepherd protecting us. So the third thing is Jesus is our protector. And he protects us. So there is a place that I visited in Germany, and I want to show this picture. And it's a castle in Bavaria. Some of you might recognize this picture. Uh, I've actually spent some time there when I was there in high school. Took a trip over there, spent five weeks in Germany. And these pictures are absolutely amazing, but they get this idea of what Jesus is to me is through this balcony of the king that lived in this castle, King Ludwig II, who built this castle. And this is the castle that, if you're a Disney fan, this is the castle that Walt Disney got the inspiration for, for Cinderella's castle. But as you step out on the the Ludwig's balcony, if you tour this castle, you can do that. What you see is this valley, and it's absolutely gorgeous. There's a big lake in the middle of the valley. There's these green pastures that are around this valley. And it's just a place where you're like, I just want to stay here. I don't want to go anywhere else. As you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, then what you need to do to know that God has good plans for you now is to be able to focus on Jesus and look to him like this. I actually picture this right here as I go to spend time with him. As I need to press onward and move forward to what lies ahead, I also need to press in to him. And this is how I do it. So this gives you a good picture and a good idea of what the pasture is, this green pasture that he leads us to, and the still water that he leads us to as well. So Jesus does provide for us. He's our provider. Psalm 23, verse 5, David goes on. He goes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. So as we're going through the valley, we're in the midst of our enemies. But we shouldn't be afraid because Jesus is with us, amen? So this table that he provides for us is a source of provision. That he's going to give us everything we need as we move through this valley. And it's set before us in the presence of our enemies. That is a bold thing to do. Because we're surrounded by enemies. The devil's coming at us. The world's coming at us. But Jesus puts this table in the presence of our enemies and he uses it to provide it for us. To put it plainly, it's kind of like an aircraft carrier. And I have a picture of an aircraft carrier. It's flat. When you see the, the word table in the Bible, it's just simply a flat surface. 
And if you know anything about an aircraft carrier, it's sent by our Navy to show strength to our enemies. It's like a city on a sea. It has everything you need, as like a city does. But it's able to flow it out into, a, into the ocean and go before our enemies and sit there as a source of intimidation. It's a bold statement. It's like, come at me. You can come at me all you want. But I have everything I need on this ship to not only defeat you, but to take care of the sailors that are on that ship. This is exactly how I picture Jesus as my provider. The fact that I can go out into this world that's dark and dangerous and I can actually have his provision and I can actually be, be looked at by the enemy as somebody not to mess with. It's very much a bold statement. And you as light bearers, because you have Jesus living inside of you and you're the light of the world, you are the same way. And you have to picture yourself that way. Verse 6. Verse 6. This is the promise. And this is what I look forward to now. And the good plans that God has for, for me in the future. This is what David writes after he wrote everything else. The fact that the Lord is my shepherd. The fact that the Lord provides for, for me. He cares for me. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death even though he provides me through the table that he sets before me in the presence of my enemies. This is what I stand on. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days. The moment that I decide to have Jesus come into my life and I believe in him and accept him, then all the days of my life, now his goodness and his mercy follows after me. Bernice Nails is gonna be 94 years old this year. She's the oldest member in our church and she's currently in assisted living right now. She can't be here this morning, but I visited her a couple days ago and we were talking about Psalm 23 and what she said to me is, this is my favorite part of that Psalm, that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the way that she pictured goodness and mercy following her is like two watchdogs that were tailing her and if any of you have a dog, you know there's at least one person in the house where that dog tends to gravitate to, right? And favors and ends up following you in every room that you go to. And that's the same way that we used to have our little chihuahua. We had a, a chihuahua that used to follow Lisa everywhere. Obviously, Lola favored Lisa. And I was kind of jealous of that, to be honest with you. But that was the case. But she followed her everywhere she went. And this is the same thing. Goodness and mercy are like two watchdogs that are following us everywhere we go. God's goodness, right? His provision, his care, his love follows us everywhere we go. And then his mercy is there in case we stumble and fall and mess up, right? Or if we're going through difficult seasons, his mercy is there all the days of our life. And then David says this, and this is our future, not just our now, but the good plans for our future. He says this, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you are following Jesus, you have access to the throne room now, so you can choose to dwell in his house. But the good news is this, that death is defeated and that death no longer has a hold on you so that when the day comes that you move from this life into the next, whether Jesus comes and raptures the church 
or you leave the body in death to be with the Lord Jesus, you will also dwell with God in the house of God forever. Man, that should give you some encouragement, right? And as I've said in here before, it don't matter how dark and bleak it gets down here on this earth or what challenges I go through in my life or what pain I feel in my body or what health report I get from the doctor or how my marriage may not be going as well as I'd like it to be going or the new season I'm moving in from high school to college, whatever. As long as I have that promise, as long as I know that his goodness and mercy is following me, as long as I know I can dwell in the throne room in the house of God now, but also can do that when I go to heaven after I die, then I don't care really what happens to me because the more I'm going through means the more God is using me, amen? The more that I go through, the more goodness can come from it. The more goodness can come from it so that I can pour into other people. And that's what it's all about. We can rest assured that God's plans for us are good because he's in those plans and he's with us. Everybody, please stand. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus cares for us. Jesus protects us. Jesus provides for us. And then Jesus promises us. How can I know that he has good plans for me now and in the future? What's the application of this message? In order to press on, you need to press in. And if I could be open and honest with you all, last week, I finally started to make the decision to spend more time on the Word for my personal growth, not just for studying for Sunday message. And even though I got stuff going on in my life, the fact that I'm spending time on His Word just for our relationship because I love Jesus and I know He loves me, this has been one of the best weeks I've had. And I think we overcomplicate things. You know, we try to make, some pastors I think try to make a cute statement, you know, that, that's, that resonates on social media and posted everywhere. Everybody loves it, but there's no life change. Sometimes it's just super simple. In order to press on, you need to press in. In order to know that God is good and has good plans for your life now and in the future, press in. And I don't want to sound like I'm directing you in a religious way. But you got to open your Bible. And when you do that, you got to ask God to reveal to you what it is that you're trying to tell me. What it is that you want to say to me. Because primarily, that's how he communicates is through his word. And of course, the Holy Spirit. you got to open yourself up as you go through your day and see the goodness and not be lost, stuck in the weeds with the bad things that are happening. And the church here today in this country, they're focusing so much on the future and what could happen. They're forgetting about how God is trying to develop them and grow them today for that future. We're so worried about who's going to be the next president. We're so worried about, you know, Russia and Ukraine. We're so worried about our finances. We're so worried about all the things that are, that are going nuts with 
the things that we see in the news. And we get our eyes off of that and onto Jesus and focus on our own personal relationship with him. And guess what? He's going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup is going to overflow. And that good plan that he has for your life will bleed over into somebody else that needs to know the good news of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Are you with me, church? To press on, you need to press in. With everybody's head bowed, nobody looking around. Very first thing that I said today in Psalm 23, what David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you're in here this morning, you've never made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is where it begins. It's where the journey begins. If you want God to provide for you, to care for you, to lead you and guide you, to give you that future and that hope so that you can actually be in the house of God for all eternity so that goodness and mercy can follow you all the days of your life. And it just takes one decision And that decision is to turn from your sin, repent of it, and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To believe in him. The Bible says that if you believe in him, that you will speak from your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead, then you shall be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. It's not complicated. If that's you today and you'd like to make that decision to follow Jesus, then please raise your hand. Make that the beginning of your new season. Anybody? Maybe you're in here this morning, you've already accepted Jesus. You've been in that valley of the shadow of death. As you're in that valley, you sense yourself drifting from him. you'd like to rededicate your life to him that you want to be able to sense that closeness again and have that close relationship with him if that's you today and you want to come back to Jesus and rededicate your life to him then I'm also asking you to do something bold today and just raise your hand and we would love to pray with you we would love to take that time for you to acknowledge and come back to him anybody last but certainly not least, maybe you're in here this morning and you've heard people speak in tongues around you during worship or during prayer time and you have some questions about that. Now that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is the power that Jesus has given us. He has given us so that we can have power to be his witnesses, actually walk through this valley of the shadow of death and have power and know that we can be used mightily by God to affect other people. If that's you today, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, or maybe you have some questions you would like answered to begin that journey, then I'd ask you also to raise your hand if that's you. Is there anybody in here that would like to be receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? 
If you're a senior in high school today that's graduating or a senior in college that's graduating, I'm asking you to come on down to the front. I'd like to pray for you, have the church pray for you. This is an awesome transition. Yeah, just give him a hand. Awesome. So we have Rayleigh, Christian, Paul, Connor, Zoe. These are five seniors who are graduating high school. Church, if you stretch out your hand, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer over them. And this is Paul. Paul writing to the church in Philippi. This is what he said in verse 1. I'm going to read this to them. This is for you all. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, I thank you for these seniors. I thank you that they are now adults, that they are moving forward in the things that you have for them, Father. I just thank you that you will protect them so that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Father, I thank you that you have not given them a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard their hearts and their mind in Christ Jesus, that they will have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. Father, we know that the weapons of the enemy are to get into the minds of the young people. And we just thank you, Lord, that you, you are setting up a defense around them, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that their mind will be pure and blameless before you because they will have nothing but their word in their hearts. They will know nothing but Jesus. And as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Father, I thank you that they will fear no evil because they know that Jesus is near, that he is with them every step of the way. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you that they are going to be fiery ones for you, witnesses of Jesus to everybody they come in contact with, and that they will stay straight on the path, and they will not look to their left or to the right, and that they will know that the Lord is with them, and they will not be afraid. And Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand.